I've got this great video of my son. He uh, had a little bit of a list when he was born and he couldn't say dump truck. And he loved dump trucks. They were his <laughs> man. Wow. They were his jam. Okay. And so when he would say dump truck, it would come out as dumb fuck. <laughs> and so I got this great video of him. I'm, he's pointing to all these dump trucks. I'm like, but what's that one? He said, dumb fuck. What's that one, buddy? Dumb fuck. He's like, dumb fuck. No. And it's just like the worst parent in the world. But no, it's that classic. That's classic. That's, that's wonderful, yes. actually. Dumb fuck. <laughs> dumb fuck. I love it. That's, that's the name of the dumb. episode. Dumb fuck. Dumb fuck. <laughs> dump trucks okay. and dumb fucks. Over the last year, we've had the honor of not only having the most wonderful two-on-one interviews with all of the, dirty. Yeah, right. Two, two on one. <laughs> with all the beautiful Jersey Boys cast members and creatives and crew and musicians, but we've also gotten to host these panels with you know three or four different perspectives on at the same time, all in one singular Zoom studio. And tonight it is our special honor, our special Father's Day panel. Yes, I, I, I'm so excited for this. This is so special. And we have the amazing opportunity to reunite. I'm gonna, it's pretty cool. Um, three of the brilliant cast members from the Jersey Boys Las Vegas company for our Father's Day panel. So Silhouettes JV Podcast alum. Can we say that? I, I think, think we, we can. can at this yes. point. Yeah. So of course we have current New World Stages, Frankie Valley, Aaron DeJesus, who's our first guest. Aaron, we love you so much. Travis Clower, who we hung out with on Christmas and New, and New Year's Eve. So six months later, he's back with us. And making his Silhouettes debut is the incomparable and freaking unbelievable Tommy DeVito. Devin Thank you for having us, guys. Thank you. Three Thank Broadway you. daddies in the house. Yes, That's Broadway it. daddies. Yeah. <laughs> Interpret in, that how you will. Right, exactly. All you yes. listening in, out in, there. The, in the Jersey way. But this is so I'm so happy that we're doing this. And I do want to say too, because I'm I hope I'm hoping I'm gonna get too emotional, but um, no, I, I lost my dad a few years ago and um, and I'm just so excited to have this conversation with you all because like we really don't like, I, I hope it doesn't seem too much of a stretch um, for our listeners, but cause there is so much to fatherhood and well, it's mostly brotherhood in the show. And we don't really know too much about fatherhood um, in the script of Jersey boys, but there's always going to be an influence and we're always right. here to give credit where credit is due. And we would love to hear what it's like for you all as actors and see how your dad's influenced you um, as adults, as actors in your profession and how it affected um, how you go about your characters in Jersey. Yeah, and how, how fatherhood, yeah. you know, being fathers yourselves, how that translates into, how that translated, translated into doing the show. Yeah, and so, just to get to know you more on yeah, this level too, because I feel like no one really talks about fatherhood and and fatherhood yeah. in the United States, it, it, it it's not talked about in a positive light all the time. And we really want to give, give a chance to do that. Yeah. Yay, so, yay dads. Yes. So with that being said, um, so with credit, like being credit where credit is due, is there anything or any like quote um that your dads would tell you all the time that kind of stuck with you as you got older? Or anything like that always stands out to you with your relationship with your dads? Travis, Mm. if you want to start. Well, um, my dad uh is a great guy and uh, i've got a, a pretty special relationship with him he and my mom divorced when i was probably around i think around 13 mm-hmm. and uh i lived with him after that divorce so i uh 
have had this one-on-one time with him that my siblings haven't had. Um, and he's a very religious man, still is. Uh, he's a music minister. And uh, so I grew up in the church listening uh, to that kind of music. That's kind of like what got me into music. And uh, to this day, whenever I get an email from him or a text or a birthday card or anything, he'll always end it with walk with the Lord. That's that's his little sign off. So he's always said that to me ever since I was little. And he says it to me till today. Wow. And how beautiful that, that you were then able to record that Sunday kind of love video with Robbie Robinson in that church yeah. with that beautiful yeah. organ. Please go on Travis's Instagram or yeah. our Instagram and find yeah. it. We honestly listen to it all the time. Yeah. And walk with the Lord, walk like a man. That's sister. it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, Aaron, so what, what's your story with your dad? Um, I feel like uh, probably the greatest, I talked to my dad today actually, um, but I feel like one of the great lessons I think I've learned from my father was the importance of hard work. Um, and how, uh, I don't know, there's, there's a, there's an inherent nobility in, in an honest day's labor. Um, there is, uh, something that is, I don't know, something that's really nice about, you know, doing, doing a hard day's work. And, um, he worked hard, always, always not just working to work, but also, uh, to help other people as well, to serve other people. Um, and uh, I think that's one of the great lessons I, I feel like I learned from my dad was just the importance of, of working. Everybody that we've talked to in, in the Jersey Boys cast always says that you are the hardest working person in the room mm-hmm. all the time. So your dad definitely had <laughs> a great influence on you. What about you, Devin? Me? Oh, my dad said, <laughs> if wishes were fishes, we'd all have a few. Ooh, if... If wishes, wishes? Okay. fishes, yeah. He was mostly joking. So I, 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 oh. I inherited my dad's, my dad's sort of dry wit. Um, yeah. <laughs> what he gave me. He gave me some dry wit. Um, no, actually, my father and I, we built a house together. Um, wow. And so, you know, very much like Aaron, uh, because I know that we have some things in common. Uh, that my father was very much about hard work, about nose to the grindstone do it till it's done mm-hmm. and that's where i think that you know my like, dad are we done yet you know i wish we were done well if wishes were fishes we'd all have a few get back to work mm-hmm. so oh, um okay. so um so yeah so my dad my dad was was a taciturn man you know he didn't speak much um unless he was having a good time and usually when he was out doing something physical uh you know we would go camping a lot and he was a pretty big outdoorsman and that's when he really sort of opened up and would do, uh, you know, more the, 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 the kinder, gentler father things. But when we were at home, he was always working, always, always working. Kind of like, you know, Frankie in Jersey Boys, you know, he was always on the road because my dad was a salesman for a company, um, uh, an auto products company in the, in the 70s. And he, uh, yeah, he was always gone. He was gone like two, three weeks a month sometimes. Uh, and so, yeah, yeah, hard work, and also, you know, uh, wishes aren't fishes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, what did they think when when you like started showing signs that you wanted to get into show business? Were they supportive? Yeah, well, I mean, as supportive as they could be. I mean, my mother saying, "Wait, wait, you have to go to rehearsal every day." 
And I was like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and my father was like, what is he doing? And then actually he came and he saw a show. Funnily enough, it was The Wizard of Oz. Oh, and, okay. um, oh nice. Yeah. And, and when he heard people talking about how much they enjoyed watching, you know, like, oh, the, I was the lion. He's like, oh, the lion was great. I really enjoyed the lion. My dad was like, wait, this, this is real? This, people actually enjoy this? Because he's all about work. <laughs> and that was the first time that he was like, wait, son, I think, I think this is good for you. You should do this. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, he was supportive. Yeah. At least when people talk to lately, dads are more supportive of arts more than moms, maybe. What do you think about wow. it? Uh, I think the opposite. Was oh, you think the opposite? Yeah. Yeah. Not that my dad wasn't supportive. Yeah. He was always supportive, but he was always like for the longest time, he was always like, you know, you can always go back to school and get an MBA. Totally. <laughs> um, you know, right. Uh, even though he's not educated at all, uh, huh. but, but he understood uh, the importance of education and what it could, uh, you know, bring to people. But uh, he, he eventually came around as, and is wildly supportive. Uh, but it took him a while. It took him a while to uh, to kind of come to grips with the fact that I'm I'm outside of a traditional uh, you know work job, um, and uh, and my mom was always super supportive from the beginning, um, and I get most of my talent and upbringing in music and acting and all that comes from her and her side of the family anyway. So. For her, it was like a dream come true. Um, but uh, but my dad has, of course, come around and is so very supportive and it's really great. Yeah, my dad was, uh, he's, he's uh, like Aaron, he's very supportive now, but he always had that, uh, you know, make sure you have something to fall back on and, mm -hmm. you know, make sure you're able to get a, a quote, real job. And, uh, and I know he was just looking out for me when they didn't want the best for us, you know, and uh, knowing that show business can be a very turbulent business. Um, but he's always been very supportive, whether he's agreed with everything all the time. I'm not sure, but he's always uh, been there to um, fly across the country to make sure he was in the front row of opening nights Aww. and uh, just to be there whenever he could, you know, for shows. I was about 24, 25 when I, wait a second, my parents are just people. They're just normal people. <laughs> my dad's just a guy who was trying to work stuff out and figure everything out. And I was such a jerk. And then over the next few years, you know, you, you talk to him more and you, you show more interest, uh, you know, in, in adult things with your parents. And they go, oh, my kid's not such an idiot. He, he's actually... <laughs> He's actually all right. He's an okay person. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, you 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 go through the, the uh, you definitely go through the phases of uh, you know thinking your parents are everything and they can do anything because they teach you everything, and then you know rebelling against them because what do they know? They don't know what I know. And then finally realizing, <laughs> oh my gosh, now I know what they know, and I was such a jerk. We but all know nothing. We all know nothing. Yeah. And Devin's yeah. still a jerk, actually. <laughs> See? <laughs> Travis, you got a little something right there. Uh, right there. <laughs> I was always amazed at my dad. He just, when I was growing up, he just seemed like this Superman kind of guy that, I don't know how, but he knew how to do everything. 
Like if you needed something fixed, he knew how to fix it. If you needed something built, he knew how to build it. And this is back before YouTube or any of that stuff. So, you know, now we can all Google it and figure it out. But back then he just knew how to do this stuff. And I was like, how the hell do you know how to do all this? Mm -hmm. And and how old were your dads when you all were born? Uh, That's a good question. I think my dad was was in his late 20s. Late 20s. What about you, Aaron? Mid 20s, I want to say. See, does it, isn't that amazing? Like, and, and well, okay, so how old were you when your first children, uh, children were born? I was 40 oh. when my first, when my daughter was born. 40? Okay. Yeah. Yep. My dad was, well, my dad was 35 when my older sister was born. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Erin, how I about was, you when Lydia was born? I was 35. 35. Okay. Yeah. And Devin, how about you? I was 48. And with what you were, Travis, what you were saying about your dad, how he knows everything. No. Like, I, Aaron, I'm with you. I know nothing. And you have to just figure it out. So so when your kids were born, did you feel like you knew nothing too? Absolutely. Like you didn't really know what to, where to Absolutely. start? Yeah, you get out of the hospital and they just let you walk out with this person. Aaron, you have a, a crazy story about when Lydia was born. That's right. So um, I don't know if you guys know this, but um, I... I had been auditioning for Jersey Boys for eight years before I got in. Wow. And um, and the the last audition that I decided to go to, of course, was the one that I booked. Um, and I, I had decided that that was it. I was done. Um, <laughs> long story short, uh, Gail, my wife, was pregnant, like eight months, eight and a half months pregnant at the time of this audition. And I got done. And, um, and Mary was like, Aaron, do you think you could get it to New York, you know, for a callback? And I said, as long as it's not on this date, because we have a scheduled induction to have, you know, our, our first child. And she was like, it's that date. And, and so I was like, oh. <laughs> um, so I called Gail and I was like, what, uh, I can get a call. I sh- they wanted me to go to New York and that it's the date of the thing. And she was like, oh man, she's like, you know what? Tell them you're going to go. And I was like, well, what about, she's like, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. So I go back and I tell her, okay, we're going to go. I'm going to come. And um, so fast forward, we ran to the doctor. We changed the date. The doctor was cool with it. I flew out to New York. uh, And it was like two days before Gail was supposed to, you know, give birth. And and she was full term. I mean, she she could have had the baby naturally anyways, which she sort of did start going going into labor at, at one point while I was gone. But they all knew that I uh, had a wife at home that was pregnant. And so they let me go first with everything. And I would call her, are you okay? How you doing? She's feeling good. Her sister flew in to be with her just in case. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I had my, it was two days, one day of, you know, rehearsal and prep. And then the day with uh, Des, the actual final. And um, I got done. I ran out the door. I got in a cab that the girl was getting out of. Uh, went straight to the airport, flew wow. home. The next morning, we got up, uh, went to the hospital. Um, they started the whole process. And in the afternoon, uh, my phone rang uh, and it was, you know, Tara Rubin casting. And Gail was like, <laughs> we were there. We were oh, there. And so she was like, go, go, go. And so I ran out of the room and took the call. And, and Mary was like, do you have a baby? And I'm like, we're about to. She's like, okay, good news, good news. And she told me that I was going to be Aww. getting a job. 
So I ran back in and 30 minutes later, we had the baby. Mm. Wow. That's crazy. Amazing story. Uh, and we had, we had nothing. Uh, I, I was doing Lion King at the time, which was closing in two weeks. Um, and we were going to, we were literally going to have a baby and move to New York with nothing. And I got this job and it kept us in Vegas and gave us a place to, for Liddy to have the first, you know, three and a half years of her life. And, and I got to join this amazing family of um, awesome people that, that I still love dearly and we stay in touch. And, and it, was, it was a really special time for us. Um, and, you know, so all of Lydia's life has been Jersey. <laughs> uh, love. And, and she's eight now or nine? She's nine. She's nine. Yeah. Wow. Awesome. Yes. Well, happy ninth birthday. Delicious. I can't yeah. give you anything but love, Dad. daddy. Yeah. Or oh, another yeah. idea for the episode name is good job, dad. And but you that's know so what? mean. You know what? Good. But you know what? It's a double entendre because you know what? We're cheering to you. Good job, dad. Exactly. Well, so all of your kids are under 10 years old. Or they're yeah. just, or they're, yeah, okay. Yeah. So that's such a precious time. So when you all are trying to teach them different things, like things that you love, that you grew up with, and that your dad's taught you, and your mom, um, do you feel the need to just teach them everything you know and show them every single song that you've loved your entire life or every movie that you, it's like, no, this is good. This turned me into who I am today. I turned out pretty good. I want you to do this too. Like, do you ever find yourself just trying to like yeah. shove everything down their throats? Because I feel like I, I could do I, that. I do, I do, I totally do. I, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> especially musically, you know, yeah. like they're, they're, my kids are just, their appetite for music is just ridiculous. You know, they're always listening to me. You always have the radio on or whatever, but I try to make it a point whenever, um, an artist comes on that I know that they probably wouldn't know to tell them who it is and a little bit about the band or whatever. Yeah. And, uh, and it's great because, you know, the music that they're listening to on their own, on the, you know, the top 40 stuff that they listen to, they make sure that they know who's singing it and uh, just all that information instead of just like, you know, having it on and taking it like, Oh, I like this song, but I have no idea what it's about or, Who's singing it or anything like that so i'm yeah I, I try to you know have a an educational experience with music and entertainment as well with them for sure yeah yeah so so how, how are you going to go about um like, like phone usage and social media with your kids as they get older we it makes me uh, want to throw <laughs> it uh it really our daughter is not going to have a smartphone until she's late like probably a teenager or, you know, out of the house or something. It, it, <laughs> it's uh, something that we constantly talk about, actually, because mm -hmm. we want her to also to understand that um, the world is a beautiful place, but it's also can be a dangerous place. And unfortunately, there are people out there that, you know, are predators. And we talk about we talk about it pretty openly and we decided that we would. Um, and uh, she understands what kind of predators are out there. Um, whether they be, you know, sexual predators or, um, human trafficking, all that kind of stuff. We're straight with her about it. And we haven't for a very long time. I mean, when she was, when we left Las Vegas, we went on tour. I went on tour and Gail, um, d uh, got on a cruise ship and went around the world. And we had to be straight with her and say, look, we're going to be going places. And, um, if you're not with us close, you know, unfortunately there are people out there that, that might want to take you. And it gave her a healthy 
a healthy fear of what's real and what's dangerous out there. And it wasn't, mm -hmm. she wasn't terrified because um, she was always with us and she knew that she was safe. And so all of these things have influenced us. And so, we're, you know, the devices and everything, we're pretty strict with them. Um, and we, and, and she understands why she wants, she wants an iPhone right now, but you know, <laughs> she's not going to get one. <laughs> for a <Right>. while. <laughs> yeah. This well, last, this last year has been, you know, it, it, Aaron, I'm sure you feel this way too. Devin, I don't know that much about you, but it kind of thrust us into that position because all of a sudden you're doing home from school and it's all online. You know, you're all mm. they're at a computer with the world at their fingertips. Right. You know, you can mm. set up, you know, all the blocking that you like, but there's always going to be a way for things to get into these machines, yeah. you know, or for them to find something that they probably shouldn't be watching. And, and, and people know out there that kids are sitting in front of computers now. Every kid yeah. in America yeah. is sitting yeah. in front of computers for hours. Yeah. Yeah. So we set up with my kids. We, you know, we sat them down. We're like, look, these are the things. Because uh, a lot of their a lot of their lessons, uh, they had to watch things on YouTube, mm -hmm. and uh, it just got to be such a pain to like unblocking this thing or unblocking that, or it just changed so much throughout the yeah. course of their school year. So we're like, look, okay, anything that your teacher says you can watch, you know, watch. These are the things that you can watch on your own. We give them like two things they can watch on their own. Anything else, you got to clear it through me anything anything you search on the internet if if you're asked to search search what the teacher says to search nothing else so it kind of it was just this moment of you know sink or swim you know when everything hit and you just kind of had to adapt and and roll with it and and be there and monitor and be the uh the the gatekeeper and just yeah. really really take care of them in a way that uh, I hadn't experienced before last year. We we did something where and this is something we had decided even before the pandemic. But all computers, everything we have a, a family computer that is in the middle of the kitchen. It's in the middle of everything. Mm -hmm. So there's no dark corner with a screen by themselves. There's no taking tablets into rooms or anything like that it's everything is open we all see what everybody is doing and it kind of helps with accountability as well sure a wonderful idea what movies or music did you guys watch and listen to with your fathers growing up i wasn't I, I like i said before i grew up in a really religious household my dad uh we were southern baptist and it was kind of like the Footloose situation. We couldn't listen to secular music. <laughs> I'm serious, man. We couldn't, no secular music, no going to the movie theater because my movie theater ticket that I paid to see whatever was going to Hollywood so that they could make pornos. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it was, it was really, really strict. And then my dad got, and my mom got divorced and the world kind of opened up a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, but a lot of the, the artists that my dad listened to besides, uh, you know, uh, Christian music was, uh, he was Doug Lionel Richie and is probably mm -hmm. the biggest Barry Manilow fan you'll ever meet in your entire life. Really? Yeah. yeah. He's a fan of baby. A fan of Yeah. Did you, guys listen, did you guys listen to the Gaither vocal band? Oh, absolutely. Oh Without a doubt. my God. I just discovered. My dad sang in a Southern Baptist, uh, gospel group like that. Amazing. What about you, Devin? 
I'm just I'm trying to get the image of 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 Travis dancing in a barn angrily with a cowboy hat on and a white angry so angry I can't get that out of my head and Kenny Loggins just blaring in the headphones and down to down to down um uh what was the question again I'm sorry what 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 kind of Uh, movies my father like my father uh really liked bad movies so we were, we, you know, we're, I'm a little older, so we, we got our VCR, right? And my father was so proud of the fact that, you know, he could afford a VCR because they were like $10,000 and uh, it was a top loader. <laughs> but uh, he would go get the worst movies, like the original The Hills Have Eyes. You guys are familiar with that? No. If you haven't seen it, watch that movie. It's so bad, it's good. Um, but uh, no, my father, my father took me to... Uh, one of the only, only movies that he took me to that I remember because he was always away working was E.T. Mm. And it was the first oh, time I ever man. saw my father cry. Wow. Yeah. And so as a, as a, as a, as, as these guys know, I would, as I was growing up, I would go with my dad, I would go, ouch. <laughs> right. And make fun of him because, but he enjoyed it. <laughs> to he make fun of him. Because we had that, we had that kind of sense of humor. He would laugh at me. Um, but no, it, it was actually in the moment. It was, I, I saw that my, I saw a whole different side of my dad. Yeah. And as far as music is concerned, we had an eight track player in the van. And what's funny is we had uh, two eight tracks. My dad really wasn't into music so much. Jerry Lee Lewis and like James Brown were kind of his go-tos. And then he also liked Scottish music, but he, we had two eight-track tapes, which were the Chipmunks um, Christmas album and Class. the Four Seasons. Oh, and so the, the Four Seasons Christmas album. But I album. thought, no, no, the Four Seasons, oh, just a random Four Seasons greatest okay. hits. Okay. And I thought they were the same group. <laughs> Listen, you get four Chipmunks, you get four different versions, okay? <laughs> With music with that music you grew and up movies. with. Um, we definitely <laughs> loved movies. Um, I, I grew up very, it, lots of music all the time. I mean, as soon as we could talk, my mom had us singing, you know, in school and at church. And um, uh, I also had a very religious upbringing, but we were a little more, uh, not, not as strict in the music as uh, Travis's upbringing. Uh, but, um, it, it offered me really great training through the years. Um, I, I remember cleaning the house to, uh, on a Saturday morning, my, my, my parents got this really, got a boom box. I remember when they got a boom box, a, a double cassette boom box. Nice. Really tape good. the tape, baby. You have to say tape. anything. It, yeah. Really quality one. It was super good quality. It had great sound. We had that thing for years. Um, it even had like an auxiliary in. You could, you could, uh, Ooh. yeah, you could. So like when CDs came out, you could actually like plug a CD player into it and play right. from it or record onto a cassette. It was awesome. Awesome. I remember like I have good memories of cleaning the house to uh, uh, Neil Diamond oh. or, <laughs> or uh, Billy Joel. Um, but one of my all-time favorite movies growing up that really um, gave my music love a shot in the arm was The Blues Brothers. 
Hey! Yeah. Awesome. And all that amazing R&B, rhythm and blues music, soul music, you know, Aretha Franklin. And, yeah. Um, it, it's I, it's so great. And on that, uh, I don't know if you guys have seen the In the Heights movie yet. It's awesome if you haven't it's seen it. Yep. But there's a moment in uh, in that show that reminds me of one of the moments, one of the scenes and shots in the Blues Brothers where there's people dancing in the street. Um, and it was like almost a perfect re re uh, recreation of that. Well, it's and, in the opening, maybe? Yeah. It's in the opening number, it's, yeah. yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Towards the end where they're in the street and He's all sure, those yes. people in the street. Mm -hmm. um, but it's the it's the it's the Ray Charles song um, uh, in Blues Brothers, and there are people dancing. People kind of gather as they're playing, and then they start dancing in the street. And it's very similar. There's like some yeah. a couple of shots that are very similar. What's amazing was people people are saying that John Chu was paying so much homage to you know paying homepage to all the <laughs> classic. Hollywood films. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. With, well, can we also take a second to talk about the, the reflection of everyone dancing in the street with the bodega window? That was pretty yeah. cool. I love Unbelievable. that Unbelievable. Gorgeous. Yeah. Me too, that was awesome. No spoilers. Has, yeah. no, oh, no spoilers. <laughs> no. Oh, it's just one shot, it's okay. <laughs> and then E.T. came in and it yeah. was, <laughs> what do you do? <laughs> the raptors came from both sides. It was yes. crazy. Washington Heights, You know, yes. I always wanted, I, you know, during Sassuari Law, I always wanted Yannick or one of the French dancers to come on with the boombox, just holding it on, holding it on their shoulder. That'd be funny. That'd be yeah. funny. I feel like that definitely influenced you in this one bootleg that we saw. When you're doing "Working My Way," you do this one thing where yeah, you're like, that, and that, I'm working. You do like this hip when, thing. When, when you're walking and I was down like, with he Charlie is in, like, a he's got some swag. Right yeah, you man. did, and I was like, that is the coolest move it was I've seen. Sick. It's it's, yeah. it's the moment when you, Charlie, and Joe are walking down are walking downstairs. You were just in it. And I'm like, yes, so cool, I was man. that was so cool to see. I love that. <laughs> I don't know about Travis, but that's always been my favorite song in the show. Oh yeah, it's it was I think it was one of my favorites, but it was also one of the freaking hardest to sing. Hardest. Yeah, oh, sure. Yeah. Coming yeah. right, coming right yeah. out of can't take. Yeah. You're singing yeah. G sharps the whole time, mm -hmm. and now you have to wail on a G, you know, right in that chest register. But it's such, it is such a freaking killer tune, though. Yeah, yeah it's such wow. a Devin. Tune. What was? What, do you have a favorite part of the show that you love to do? Uh, working my way back to you is one of my favorite songs <laughs> to perform. Actually, I love I loved everything after the sit down. I thought it was amazing. <laughs> Because you were doing exactly what you're doing right now. Whoa. <laughs> my, my, my favorite part of the show, actually, actually, I always I enjoyed working with both of you guys so much as Frankie's. Um, um, and uh, actually, my favorite part of the show for me was opening the show in my season um, and having that that first little inter interaction with Frankie, because it just sort of set for me, it sort of every night you know you have to reset yourself do another show but it just it helped me sort of set up you know just sort of how the night was going to go and and you know because you know you'd get different information from them every night about how they were feeling and what was going on and where they were sort of you know so you would just that was sort of like my favorite part because it was the first interaction yeah. of you know uh, to the to the the, the main characters in the show. And so it really, it, yeah, it always, 
It always get, it always judged me. She says judge all the time. And I think mm-hmm. I have a question for you, for you, Devin. Specifically, mm-hmm. you know, we, of course, you know, t- you know, during that whole uh, begin that that scene after I can't give you anything but love, you know, with the with the car trick and everything, you know, they're fighting. Yeah. You know, Tommy says, you know, come on, little brother. You know, so do you think? Of course, you know, the, you know what Gia was saying earlier. There's a lot of brotherhood, but do you think Tommy was ever trying to be a sort of a father figure to Frankie? You know, it's funny that you mentioned that because I don't know if you've ever had the chance to read Tommy DeVito's unpublished book. No, no. I have a copy, but um, <laughs> right, right. But I don't know where it came from. But um, <laughs> no, in in in. Very much, Tommy. Tommy wanted to be everything to everyone, um, and of course, his his you know one of his flaws, his fatal flaws, was you know he needed to be more for himself. Um, but he was he was always there for everyone else, and so he had he had a victim mentality. Um, mm. uh, yeah. Wow. And, and I yes. think. Yeah. Yeah. No, he he did. That's why he acted out. That's why he embarrassed himself. You know, he, he would put himself out on a ledge because he wanted people to support him. And in, in that moment when he says, come on, little brother. I mean, he went a little too far with Frankie. You know what I mean? He went a little too far. Yeah. Just, but he, he also wanted to see how far he could go. But in that book, um, from a very young age, probably like seven, Tommy was jumping over the fence at the Brock's Candy Factory, B-R-A-C-H-S, Brock's. And he would steal candy for everybody. And mm-hmm. it's because a lot of these kids' fathers, Tommy's in Tommy's generation, just about 10 or so more years older than Frankie, around 10 years, I think. A lot of them were, um, you know, out of World War II. A lot of these people were, you know, um, uh, you know, dealing with the remnants of the Great Depression. And so, <clears throat> you know, he was very much, uh, I got to look out for myself. I got to look out for everybody. And it was like one of those things where if Tommy did something for you, he expected you to do something for him. Gotcha. And it was just the way it was. Mm. You know, so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so exactly. So when it came to that, when he's like, come on, little brother, it's like, come on, you know, let me, wow. let, let me, I mean, so many different ways. Let me have this moment or, or like, you know, you know, you know, don't, you know, don't treat me like that, even though I treated you like that. So it was very much like, I thought it was a victim complex coming from Tommy. In the movie, there's a scene between Frankie and Francine, and she says, "Do you love me?" And that, and she says, "Of course I love you. Like, love like you. more than the star, the moon, the sun, and everything all thrown in together." Okay, so and it's more of just like like a, like a dad, like, you know, yeah, throwing away I that. I love you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like, yeah. Go to, bed, go to bed. Go to it's bed. It's fine. Yeah, I love. Um, but then she says, "But do you like me?" And and my nana says it all the time. Um, with certain people, she's just like, "I love him, but I don't like him." So how how do you like as a father? How do you raise your kids to know the difference between loving something and liking something, especially in this culture when we're constantly liking everything, either liking or canceling? How do you, how do you teach them the difference between um, certain levels of emotion? I guess. Well, I you know I I guess if, yeah. from a religious standpoint, you know, uh, in some religions, there people are encouraged to love, you know to love people unconditionally. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to, to like what they do or like who that, you know, like, mm-hmm. um, but I don't know, that's a, that's a, it's a good question because um, 
if you love some someone, does that also mean you have to like them? Mm. Does it also mean you have to? I don't know. And, and especially as an as an authority figure, you know, mm-hmm. with a child, there there comes quite frequently that time where you have to be the bad guy. Yeah. And they're not going to like you. They're not going to like what you're telling them they can't do or that they did something wrong. Um, frankly, frankly, there are times when you're not going to like them either. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> no kidding, man. It's like, dude, I sent you to bed three hours ago. I'm trying to watch something on TV. Now, shut up, stars. Stay in bed. For fuck's sake. Um, <clears throat> but, but, you know, it goes into that. You know, it's it's mm. that whole thing where you're still trying to just raise a good person. And right. uh, there's going to be a lot of times when that like is nowhere to be found, you know, but mm-hmm. the love is the foundation why you're doing what you're doing so that yep. they can eventually have their eyes open and say, Oh, okay. Got no matter, I've found too, no matter how, how difficult things get, no matter how crazy, how much they'll push the boundaries or test the boundaries. They still know if you've done, if you've done your job, they know deep down that you love yeah. them. They feel that love and they feel safe. And oftentimes kids, your own kids, you know, usually the way it works is kids go away and they're angels for their teachers and for their leaders yeah. and stuff like that. And then they come home and they dump on us. But they do that because they know that we're going to be here no matter what. You mm-hmm. know? When they go out into the zone. world and dump on people, they know that those people are going to go away. So they don't dump on them because they don't necessarily want to lose those people. Sure. They know that no matter what, that we're yeah. going to be, you know what I mean? That's so true. And, and I'm sure like at, you do that with your parents too. We all, yeah, we yeah, that, of course. Like, yeah. Early. Mm-hmm. yeah. <clears throat> so for, for, um, Aaron and Travis, you guys, um, th- I'm sure this, the, your role as parents, um, during the pandemic has been very different than, you know, Devin's. I mean, Devin, you had a, a, newborn, a newborn during the pandemic. So, what's that been like? Ooh, well, we were in, we were in Brooklyn at the time, and we were in a lovely place in Park Slope. Wonderful building, co-op building, great people. But um, try to socialize a baby during the middle of a pandemic in New York, where everybody goes, oh, "Are you infected?" Like mm-hmm. everywhere you walked around. You know, people would look, even if you were in a mask and gloves and a shield and you were spraying alcohol around you constantly, <laughs> people would still look at you like, you are unclean. And so they would look at your just baby like- Just because of the kid or, or just in general? Probably me, probably just mostly oh. me. But, um, <laughs> no, no, but no, in the sense of, uh, it was very hard to try to get a play date. It was very hard to try to even get him to socialize with anybody else. And anytime you went outside, he looked and he saw people with, you know, so I saw his eyes. And so, you know, we, we definitely, when we moved, we made it a goal to socialize him as much as possible, get him out there uh, meeting people. But it was difficult for us, but for him, I don't think he really knew the difference because he was like, I get my mom and dad all the time. This is amazing. And so for that, um sorry i'm extremely grateful that we you know that we were given the opportunity to be with our child 24 7 seven days a week seven days all the time um 
which was a mixed blessing and a mixed curse. But, right. okay. you know, because right. we really couldn't go outside and see anybody else. And uh, we also didn't get any help from our family, our families raising the child because you know like the mother you know the mother-in-law comes in and takes care of the kid for a couple of days and you can right. rest and be with each other well that didn't happen so Aww. we you know we pretty much just had one another to rely on and mac macaulay our son is, is such a well-adjusted child um as far as we know he listens he's attentive he's you know, he's always there to, like the other day, Kate, Katie was having a, just a, a hard mommy day. And I was like, Mac, go do something, you know, to make your mom feel good. And he like, he he took a, like a cheese doodle or whatever we were feeding him. He was like, oh, and it was just those little things. So, I mean, like we've all been very close. We haven't had any distractions um, until, you know, we moved and there's some distractions, but, you know, it was just us every day, just sort of eating and playing and yeah, not going outside. <laughs> <laughs> He's a good kid. He's just a little, you know, guidance. Yeah. Doing the Florida He's a little special. He's just a little special. He's a good kid, but he's a good kid. Uh, He's yeah. adorable yeah. from the pictures that we've seen. All your kids are just amazing amazing yeah, well, well adjusted good perfect word yeah see, and thank god you know that's always a worry it's like well what if what if my kid turns out not to be like what if what if they're not ambitious or they don't listen it's like what do you do what can you do mac is 18 months old and he flips off the mailman why well, i don't know <laughs> <laughs> comes with the territory i love it. Well, <laughs> humor, you, you need a sense of humor so how, how do you to bring it back to back to the future too? What's what's wrong with yeah. me in the future? It's not your kids, Marty. Or it's not you, Marty. It's your kids. <laughs> <laughs> it's flipping off the mill, man. Yeah, that's true. that's yeah. the best thing I've yes. heard all night. <laughs> flipping off the mailman, father. I, you know, it's so funny yeah. when because my sister also had a pandemic baby, so I um when um in during the first few weeks. I would, uh, they, they also live in Brooklyn. So I, I would spend a lot of time with, mm. with, the, with the baby, you know, while my sister and my, my brother, my brother-in-law were doing things. And, you know, um, I, I know De Devin, you, you were saying uh, something, you know, earlier about how, you know, you're, when you get to a year and a half, it's you know the kids start become start to become more impressionable. Yeah. You know, the but, terrible you know, twos, as they say. Right. Yeah. You know, but I was sitting with this yeah. kid on my lap watching The Sopranos. You know, <laughs> watching Johnny Sack get murdered. You know. <laughs> so. See, that's how I would raise my kid. As I was, this is I'm not kidding. I was born watching my cousin Vinny. Like that was the first oh, movie that was on when I was right. a kid, and I was like, well, that makes sense. Um, but <laughs> but my, my sister was totally okay with it. I was yeah. like, I asked her, is it okay if I watch The Sopranos while he's sitting on my lap? She's like, Vinny, he's, he's fucking two weeks old. Do whatever the fuck you want. Yeah, like, do you feel like you have to censor what you watch in the house with your kids or not really? I we When we are with Andy, our, our first kid, we kind of fell into that groove, you know, where you're, you know, just, oh, they're, I have this new human. We can't watch anything that, that is going to make this bad impression on her but after a while like she you know what's in, what's what's she picking up from them she's probably not picking much of anything so our second kid rolled around and was like yeah whatever right exactly it's, always <laughs> the second kid. It's, it's like a meet the fuckers when he's like ask 
I've got this great video of my son. He uh, had a little bit of a list when he was born and he couldn't say dump truck. And he loved dump trucks. They were his his jam. And so when he would say dump truck, it would come out as dumb fuck. (laughs) And so I got this great video of him. He's pointing to all these dump trucks. I'm like, but what's that one? He said, dumb fuck. What's that one, buddy? (laughs) Dumb fuck. He's like, dumb fuck. And it's just like the worst parent in the world. But it's classic. That's classic. That's wonderful, actually. Dumb fuck. (laughs) Dumb fuck. I love it. That's, so that's the name of the episode. <laughs> dumb fucks. Dumb fucks. <laughs> dump trucks and dumb fucks. Dump. Yep. Ah, Perfect. yes. Yep. That's a new reality show, actually. On TV. Hey. It is. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, well, Jersey, like we don't next to a dump. Next, uh, I think it's perfect. Oh, next to a next yeah. next to a dump, dump fuck. fuck. Next to next a, to a dump ne- fuck. Yeah. That's it. That's it. <laughs> yeah, don't yeah. have kids, everyone. If you're listening, don't. Have kids. <laughs> actually, had I known, had I known how how wonderful being a father was, I I would have tried a lot sooner. Really? Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. It's definitely, you know, I know it sounds very cliched, but it's it's something that, you know, just opens up in, inside of you that you just never knew was there. You know, it's mm-hmm. just, it's yeah. something great. My, my upbringing was such that I knew that I always wanted to be a father. And so, um, I was excited. I, I I was lucky enough when I was in my mid twenties to um, my dad remarried and had another kid, and so I had a in my mid twenties I had a baby brother that I got wow. to watch oh, wow. kind of grow up uh, and um, and you know be there. I was able to see a lot. Of, <clears> and that was my little brother. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, that was really, really fun to see that. You guys tried not to let those scenes get personal for you guys, you know, as Frank. Well, you know, you bring a certain amount of personal, you know, emotion and feeling to everything you do as an actor. But, you know, what I was basically saying is it's hard not to let, uh, you know, allow that to get too personal uh, when once you actually become a, a father and know that, uh, you know, the dangers of, of having your children get hurt or worse, you know? Yeah. So it's a, it can be a very, you know, sobering thing. Yeah. And I, and I was just saying it, it definitely opened up a, a different level of being able to portray that character. Once I could relate uh, the feelings of having my own kids, you know, like Aaron was saying to just not want them to be hurt, not wanting them to experience any kind of pain. And also the, <clears throat> the personal frustration of of seeing it happen and mm. not being able to do anything about it and and blaming yourself for not being able to to be that protector right and it's, it's like it's yeah. like how, how, how frankie says to the priest you know like i mean the priest you, you can't blame yourself and like then who yeah right mm-hmm. and it's and, and and it's also it's also when you know when when you're on the phone with francine yeah you know stop don't scream at me daddy and it's like i'm not screaming but of course you know yeah i, I think you are i think as a father like <clears throat> you are screaming a little bit because you like you said you are frustrated that like especially i mean france i mean how old's francine at that at that at that point you know in the in the show she's like 13 16 right 16 or 17 isn't she 16 or 17 so she she she's already I don't know. you know she she she's 
I mean, however old, I mean, she's, she's, she's certainly not 10, you yeah, know, right. so she, she's definitely, no, no. <laughs> she's definitely at that age where she's more, I mean, I, I, she's, she's starting to get she's an understanding. More, more developed, right. And, but of, of, of course, you know, but she's, she's still very impressionable. So hmm. what we were talking about earlier, how you, 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 you want to keep your frustrations in, you don't want to lash out, but I mean, how could you, when, you know, your, 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 your daughter has gone across the river into a city that's not safe and you know what 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 the especially fuck? in the 70s exactly yeah. in new york city what, what the fuck could be waiting for her yeah disco always disco <laughs> so what, what was it like doing that that phone call scene the first like your first show back after after your kids were born like with, with, it's like dad like give me a break it's like how do you take that give me a break when you're a new dad it was like oh this is what i have to look forward to yeah <laughs> this, is, this is what it's going to be like someday no it just it just brought a, a level of realness you know mm -hmm. uh both in that scene and in my personal life you know that this is this is a part of who i am now and, and forever will be um and it just kind of I, it was one of those moments where I just kind of like you step out of, out of yourself and you're like, oh, all right, here we go. This is life now. That, that never was not before for me because I had started the show when Lydia was like two months old. And it's it's interesting. I feel like now that she's older, um, it seems to become a little more real. Uh, with well, it's got to be weird day. now that with, with her being you know, that age where she's starting to understand things. And yeah, because my, when, when I left the show, my daughter, I mean, that was like almost five years ago. She, she was, you know, not even five years old. Right. So you're dealing with a whole different side of it. Yeah. You know, that I don't <clears throat> think any of the other guys that have played the role have dealt with. I guess right. that's true. Mm. Mm. You know? Yes, that's true. That's awesome. yeah. It brings a new layer. Yeah. So it, because like, when, and well, of course, when your kids are born, it's kind of like you're going into an act two of your life. And that is yeah. your actually you had to live every single day. What? And, and, yeah, <laughs> and or act, not. And, and you, Part of your act one. I'm in a three when, act play. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, well, maybe like emotionally, it feels like, like an act. Oh, yeah. Emotionally, second act, of course. Of course, of course. <laughs> but, but with the screaming, because like my at least my mom, oh my gosh, like it's like whenever, for example, I got I caught a cold two weeks ago, and whenever I get sick, she gets so mad at me, like she starts screaming at me, I'm like mom, why are you, I'm sick? Why are you making me feel worse? And she's like, I'm not mad at you for getting sick. I'm just mad that you are sick, you know. So and totally. but it's like every time for like for 25 years, she just gets so upset. How'd you get so, sick? Right, it's like it's, it's my fault, and I'm like, I, I don't know. I went out there, I got a cold. What do you want me to do? Because it's, it's like, more, you're powerless. Yeah. My son's fighting a cold now, and I hate that he's sick. But damn it, he sounds adorable. So I'm like, you just stay sick just a little bit longer. I hope you feel okay, <laughs> but you sound adorable. <laughs> see, that's a fun way to look at you it. See, yeah, you get you get some more dumb fucks out of it. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> so it's just so interesting, like how like. Well, how about this? Do you feel like you're turning into your parents? Mm. Oh wow! Yeah. I definitely. Do I my mom and see things that are, great. you know, yeah. my parents. I'm like, oh yeah. 
Never wanted that to happen, but there it is. <laughs> I, I do the thing where I guess I laugh. I chuckle like my dad. And Gail is always like, oh, you sound like your dad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. Yeah. Devin. For, yeah. For me, for me I, it's, I, I, I am turning to my dad a little bit, but also Katie is kind of like my mom in a weird way. <laughs> um, they have a very similar personality. And I didn't realize that until like a year ago. And I was like, oh gosh, you're my mom. And uh, <laughs> but that kind of happens, right? That's a whole and, uh, other episode. Whole, right there. Yeah. <laughs> What's great about being a parent is creating new traditions um, with our children and incorporating the traditions we grew up with, uh, you know, and, and right. it's not improving upon them, but but you know, making them, them, making them your own, making, right. making them our own. There we go. And, yeah. that, and that's what Jersey boys is. So I, I hope that, yeah. that your kids, yeah. since, since they have watched you, excuse me, or, or like, like they will be able to see some, some form of what you've done in Jersey boys. Like they'll, they'll see how, um, how important it is to know that everybody remembers everything, how they need to. Yeah. There are mm -hmm. so many morals mm -hmm. in this show and, and with how you want to have different versions of a tradition, everyone, like, it, each season has a different their story. And I think it's, it's so important to instill that in kids so young. And I think mm. because of the show when you were 14, it really did leave a really solid foundation for how humanity works with how men work together. Um, yeah. With how like the family dynamic, like there's just so much to Jersey boys that that the reason why we're talking about it now is because it, it does have so many, um, just so many pieces that, that remind you of, of, of what's common, a, a common thread as the generations go by. Yeah. That's cool too. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think we definitely learn from the show what, what, you know, what, what's optimal, um, as far as being, uh, going from a boy to a man if you will, um, you know, using the four seasons, you know, you, you kind of, I mean, coming from my perspective as Tommy, you learn what not to do mm -hmm. when you watch Tommy, you learn what not to do in life. Right. Um, but you also learn that you have to have spirit and you need to have uh, faith, which is what Tommy has, spirit and faith. That's true. Yeah, That's little so faith true. in people, yeah. And I, just, I think also, I just, you know, a, a great lesson that we get from Tommy too, I think, is loyalty. Mm -hmm. And, and yeah. that's, that's something that we don't, you know, it's something that, uh, that these guys understood. The idea of being loyal to, to people that have, you know, helped you. People that have been yeah. loyal to you, being loyal to them. And it doesn't mean doing everything they say, but it means, you know, there's a, there's a camaraderie, a trust, uh, a, um, a sense of family really is what it is. Yeah. And, you know, more to, to Aaron's point, uh, Frankie and Tommy, even up to the point of Tommy passed away from COVID, but it, Tommy and Frankie, they didn't talk. They weren't, they were no longer friends, but they abided each other. But also, Frankie was never going to cut Tommy out of this. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Even though 
Tommy did something that was so unspeakably wrong to Frankie. And sure, we can say that he tried to sleep with his reporter girlfriend, but that's that's not what it was. Right. But right. but even through all of that, it's a convenient way to tell a story. But right. even through all the stuff that happened between Tommy and Frankie, Tommy still was like, I mean, Frankie was still like, Tommy deserves this part of everything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Even if it was through gritted teeth, and if it was through, you know, the stubborn person that Frankie is. I mean, yeah. he's a stubborn mm -hmm. guy. <laughs> um, uh, he still he still gave Tommy what he thought he deserved. Well, there, there, there's two there's two key lines, you know, right before begging, you know, Nick says, if you think Frankie would have cut Tommy loose right then and there. Right. You know, that's what you think. If that's what you think, you're not from Jersey. And then also mm -hmm. Frankie says, Tommy took me off the streets. Jip, what's that word? Right. Yeah. So do you think maybe you'll you'll dissect the show with your children as they get older and be like, okay, so what do you think of this character? How did you react to this when you were younger? I've already forgot what the show was about to tell you. <laughs> Isn't the show about football? It's about football, right? It's about football. I, I'm gonna need to have someone send me a script so I've, so if I have to do a series, I'll be able to do it. Um, but <laughs> But is, is there, um, are there certain songs and movies and, and stories that you really want to show them now? So that way, when they get older, they can reference it later? Yeah, yeah I think anything from, anything from the classic movie musical era from the 40s, it's what, what I grew up on, Gene Kelly, uh, Danny Kaye, uh, Frank Sinatra. I mean, I would say that if I'm going to show Mac anything, it's going to be those movies first. Okay. Yeah, those were those were some of the first things that we uh, sat down and watched. And uh, any any time you know the like the NBC mu live musical things yes. come on, we would sit down with them and they'd watch them. And and now you know they'll they'll put on TV on their own and they'll usually nine times out of ten go to something on the Disney Channel that is musical based. Mm -hmm. You yeah. know, mm -hmm. so we're doing something right. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And Aaron, how about you? Um, we, our daughter definitely is into like the traditional kid things, cartoons and animated things and, mm -hmm. and, you know, streaming platforms make that so much easier now. Um, but we have, we have done and we still do. We'll sit down and say, okay, now we're going to, we're going to watch this and we'll twist her arm and, but we'll, we'll get done and she'll want to watch it three more times. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, that's that's kind of the fun thing is knowing that after the fight, we know that she's going to, she's yeah. going to, you know. One of the coolest things too is like seeing like with my kids, you know, introducing them to silly things like the cartoons that I grew up with. You know, I, I, I sat down and watched Tom and Jerry with them one day. And now that's hey. all they, they want to watch is print. Yeah. I mean, like not the, the old Tom and Jerry's, man. Not yeah. they the new movie too, but they're always hitting the old ones and uh, you know Looney Tunes and yeah. all the Animaniacs. Nice. I'm yeah. gonna want to show my stuff, kids man. the Animaniacs, man. Yeah. Oh, we haven't hit Animaniacs yet. I should do that. Oh man, they go nuts so on he got me into it's, that. Yeah. It's on, yeah, yeah, it's on Hulu. But then the, the reboot is also on Hulu. Watch, watch that. They're they're both on Hulu. They're all right. But so it's stuff like a, that in movies, you know, like we were talking like the Back to the Future and the Jurassic Parks. And we were watching uh, Ready Player One 
um, a Ooh, while ago. Ooh, yeah. Great book. And, and it's so good cool book. because we've watched all these other movies so much. Now they're like looking at that movie and they're like picking out all the little Easter egg stuff in it. You know, yeah. like, oh, that's Michael Jackson's outfit from Thriller. And oh, that's, yeah. that's, yes. oh, that's what Duran Duran wore in that video and mm-hmm. all that kind of cool stuff. And I'm like, yes, yes, it's cheated. Because cool they're sponges. Yes. Yeah, there and- was one part where, um, who did the music? Was it Alan Silvestri, I think, for Back to the Future? Yeah, yes. Alan Silvestri. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one part in Ready Player One where they do the from Back to the Future. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I picked on it the first time I saw it, but mm-hmm. we watched it a couple times with the kids, and I had to rewind it. I'd rewind it. I was like, all right, now listen to this music right here. Tell me what music mm-hmm. that is. And my daughter's eyes were like, oh. That's from Back to the Future. I was like, yes, because that's the same guy that wrote that music, and this is the yep. same producer that produced that movie. So they just kind of like tied it all together, man. Yes, that's love really it. cool Smart when kids. those those little things like that happen. As a dad, I'm like, well done, well done. <laughs> well done. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Well, see, that goes to show um, that the quality in in music, in TV, in movies. Like, well, it'll always resurface. And um, and I was watching comedians and cars getting coffee because, uh-huh. you know, especially with TikTok, Instagram, there's so much bad content out there. It's oh, just, it's yeah. just, it just doesn't go with the test of time, but there's always, um, like Jerry Seinfeld says, there's always um, like a filter when it comes to comedy and the bad stuff will always kind of fall off where it needs mm-hmm. to, and the good will always come out too. So and there's always co- everybody remembers that, it how, how they, they need to, to. Right. right? And I, just, I just, I'm just so happy. I feel like, like when you're, like when you're, when they get even older, I, I hope that they'll watch Jersey Boys and they'll be like, my dad did that, and and they'll be yeah. so because like I just think that's the best thing that anyone could raise their kids on is Jersey yeah. Boys. <laughs> I, I, it's just so cool especially yeah. those new ron melrose arrangements man i mean just mm-hmm. yeah the way because he kept it up the way he needed to and yes smoking. and now you have can't take like with with the illy song yeah. that's in the commercials and yeah yeah and, and, the, and the the spanish version and it, yeah. it's like it'll always live on and i think that's the best part about you can it. just it's smell just the money they're legacy. making <laughs> right? i know you just keep going, right. and going, going, and going. going. yeah man i tell you good for them may we all may we all be able to have something like that you know amen let's raise a glass to all these amazing dads happy father's day salud this was really really love you guys so much okay and we're rolling and we're rolling so um we're talking about uh wizard of oz meets jersey voice here yes Devin may had the idea and fascinating idea <laughs> is it and- okay so okay off the bat what are our first instincts i would say so- nick massey scarecrow really um, maybe I'm, not. I'm thinking dorothy is nick massey Ooh, why because wow right like it's it's a hot take it's a hot take but dorothy like she like keeps her mouth shut until like they meet the witch mm-hmm. and then she like goes all ape shit on the witch and wicked witch of the west and it's like i've been pretty quiet up until now but now i'm gonna fucking destroy you with a fucking bucket of water so i'm gonna say the witch is tommy then fantastic frankie yeah. would be the leader of the lollipop guild easily absolutely that's right yeah. oh <laughs> <laughs> Would would the the would Oz be the rock and roll 
Music Hall of Fame or would yeah. it be Belleville? I think it depends on which character you're talking to. Oh, okay. Okay. I think the scarecrow is Tommy also. Because mm. hmm. he, yeah. he needs a brain. No. Just, no. <laughs> just... <laughs> well, I would say, well, no, well, it's because Tommy, well, Devin, please let us know. Yeah, weigh in. Yeah. Please like, do. Think Tommy for. Oh, I, I, I think you guys are doing great. <laughs> <laughs> I think 